0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 461.
1: You now life is not a spectator sport.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Terry Kell. Terry, are you buckled up and ready for a
1: fun ride? Yeah, I got my five-point seatbelt on.
0: (laughs) Very cool. I hope we don't need to use that seatbelt. I'll try to keep it within the lines and out of the ditch here. Terry Kell owns and operates The Farm. It's located near Ogden in the rolling countryside of eastern Quebec. The farm is a gathering place for business owners and executives to meet, build relationships, and discuss ideas and targets. The farm is also a place where Terry furthers his passion for automobiles. Art in the Automobile is an annual forum Terry conducts at the farm where the new Callaway 16 supercar was unveiled, and they raised thousands of dollars for local charities. His other signature event is the Art of Transformation that employs the innovation of automotive design. And his latest addition to the farm happening later this year is Carriage House Fine Automobiles, where collector cars will be offered along with a delivery experience like none other. Terry, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more about your business and, of course, your passion for automobiles?
1: Well, certainly. I just spent uh, most of my career in the information technology world working with large organizations on a global basis. But we were a small company servicing Fortune 500 companies internationally. And I was always looking at ways of blending personal passions into the business. Uh, Information technology can get a little bit dry. And through my developing relationships with, with clients and suppliers and employees, found that many people were interested in were passionate about automobiles. So I started to integrate those types of activities and interests into the business, which kind of changed how relationships were. When you share a, a common interest in a, a pattern, you develop you know, pretty strong relationships with, uh, with people along the way.
0: It's really intriguing. And when uh, I'll tell our listeners, when I first was introduced to you, I was looking at what you're doing, I went, wow, this is really cool, but what does it have to do with cars? And then I dug a little deeper, and we talked on the phone, and I got, oh, I got really excited, because I love the way you've wrapped your passion for cars into this vocation and this idea, and we're going to learn a lot more about this, and especially this new venture you're embarking on this spring. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars, yeah. So Terry, take the wheel.
1: So it's, I mean, I follow and I tell my kids this. That, you know, life is not a spectator sport. If you enjoy something, go out and do it. Don't watch others do it, <laughs> and be the best you can at it. And um, I find that a lot of people just spend a lot of other, a lot of time watching other people enjoy activities, whether it's cars racing motocross, whatever it happens to be. If, if you know, you really, truly love watching something, go out and do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a wonderful message. And in this day with, let's say, social media, where it's so easy to sit down and spend and waste a lot of time looking at all the fun everyone else is having, maybe it's time to put that computer down, get up and go out and actually do what you're passionate about.
1: So, so important. And especially with virtual reality now and it's, you know, it's just anyway.
0: I understand, and that's exactly what you've been doing, so I think that's great. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? Is is there a pivotal moment in your life when you look back that you kind of looked in the mirror and went, oh my gosh, I'm a car guy?
1: Well, it's kind of in my blood. It goes back to my grandfather, who unfortunately I never met. had, at the turn of the 19th century, had cars and motorcycles through uh, that era. My father inherited the same passion uh, and that's been passed on to my brother and I and I guess there have been certain pivotal moments I think when I one time I remember my then future to be brother-in-law pulled in the driveway I was probably nine or ten in a Jaguar XK nice it was burgundy with a tan leather interior and I just stood there in the driveway and I went oh my goodness like what's that what is this (laughs) And uh, he took me for a ride in it, and we're on the, uh, the Trans Canada. And I was wondering why everyone else was going so slow.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, it's <laughs> just the perception of speed. So that kind of ignited, and I said to myself, you know, one day I'm going to own one of those cars. Yeah. Uh, so my dad uh, encouraged me to follow the dream. He said, "But um, go get a job."
0: <laughs> yeah. I- you got to pay for that dream somehow.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, don't look at me for, you know, to, um, to, to pay for it. He said, you're going to appreciate it a lot more if you go out and earn the money to buy, you know, your dream.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: I followed that uh, through car, you know, motorcycles and cars. And eventually, you know, 20 years old, was able to buy a, a Jaguar E-Type.
0: Oh, nice, nice. Now, do you have one today?
1: I had one up until last June. I had it for 24 years, and it's actually something I regret. I do regret selling to some degree, but I think I'll replace it again. It's the second one I owned.
0: Well, I jumped ahead to a question there about seller's remorse. We'll move on and come back to that in a minute. I don't
1: want to talk about
0: it. I know. know, I'm sorry. I hate to bring that memory (laughs) to mind. but uh, Well, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or even better yet, a big failure that you faced along the way. Maybe it's a life thing or a career thing or maybe it blended together. But the more important part of this question has to do with how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you?
1: Well, actually, it's not... Uh, automotive or car related it was um, I had the privilege to be uh, part of a research expedition that was going to base camp of Mount Everest back oh, wow. uh, in 2005 and uh, I was leading part of it and my colleague was leading the other part but uh, we were on our way to base camp we we're about five days into the nine-day trek and uh, I got separated from the group in the early afternoon and uh a snowstorm blew in, and so, and then I encountered uh, a pretty scary uh, experience. So, first of all, I'm afraid of heights, so not a good place to be when you the, went the, to Mount Everest and you don't like ice in <laughs> the Himalayas. <laughs> oh, gosh. And then I encountered a part of a, the, tr- the, the trail where the trail shrunk down to about 12 inches, and there was a rock embutment we had to get around, or I had to get around, and it was about a thousand foot drop in oh, a my. Howling snowstorm. So I kind of froze, literally, and uh, I couldn't move. So I stepped back, and I was contemplating going back five days. It seemed like an eternity, but um, our head Sherpa and one of my colleagues uh, noticed that I was not part of the group, so they came back. And what they did was, one of them got in front of me, and one got behind me, and just said, spoke. And the, the Sherpa said, "Just focus on the space that you have control over." Mm. So forget about everything else. And I was able to get around with their help around this uh, significant uh, challenge.
0: Yeah. Oh, my So goodness. I
1: took that back as a kind of a I, – I reflect on that experience because you only have control over the space around you. You can't change what's happened, and there's no sense in worrying about what's going to happen. And I use that – Day to day in my business and uh, in my personal life.
0: Wow, wow! So
1: don't don't be afraid to ask or accept for help and kind of focus on the here and now. What what you have control over.
0: You know, it's an absolutely incredible story. A great metaphor for life in general of everything that we face and. You know, we talked a little bit in our pre-show chat about the uh, the meltdown that happened with the economy back in 07. I know you started a segment of your business then that focused on automotive and everything kind of came crashing down. And you can apply that focus that you were taught from those Sherpas. What a wise thing. I'm sure they've encountered situations like that before where that's how they get people through it. But what a great way to get through those challenges in life.
1: Yes, it was a life experience that I benefited from. And actually, I went back. I've been back twice, but I went back in 2010, and I had to get around that rock embutment by myself, and uh, I was able to do it, actually. it was I went around it, and I, I didn't even notice it this time. It was kind of bizarre.
0: Been there, done that. Yeah. Wow. What a story. Well, thanks for sharing a really personal story, and a really great lesson for listeners out there who are facing challenges is just focus on the immediate thing that's in front of you. Don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just get through that moment today. Great story. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story with us that was one of those career aha moments, a time when those headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way for this new focus you have, this new idea. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success.
1: Well, I'm going to use, um, I think, the Art in the Automobile event that was hosted in 2008. And the theme of it was really around design, innovation and creativity and we used the automobile as the metaphor and it brought um business leaders, artists, authors, sculptors, photographers, designers people from different walks of life that were passionate about one or more elements of the um of what the event was mm-hmm. and the other thing I, what happened in, in the development of, of the event is that I got to work with an incredible team of people, friends and family, and business colleagues that helped develop the event. That they personalized it and they put their own heart and soul into it for different reasons, which contributed to it being a huge success.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think what was interesting to observe is that. You know, there's when you get very successful people together, uh, there's a lot of type A's and there's a lot of egos for different reasons. And by hosting it in the country, it was kind of interesting to watch everybody kind of relax and just take the time to kind of listen and learn and then become very collaborative. Mm. Even the people that were working in and around the event, the chefs, the musicians, parking attendants, it became. We, it wasn't enough and it was it was just this groundswell of being around people that were creative, passionate about what they were doing. And the outcome was probably the most interesting to watch. I found out after there were new friendships formed, awareness and appreciation for other things, maybe other than the cars or the arts. I mean, we, we had Jesse Alexander, a renowned motorsport photojournalist there uh, exhibiting. We had, you know, Reese Calloway unveiling his new, Callaway C16, Paul Deutschman the design. It was just it was about the people more than the cars. The cars were really the vehicle to kind of fuel this kind of creativity, you know, inspiration and and relationships.
0: Very interesting psychological study on people. And I'll tell our listeners when you have a chance to come to Carja website and take a look at the show notes page and click on a link to the farm. You'll see. The environment that has been created here, uh, Terry's done, it's really phenomenal. I can see how that would work towards bringing people together, relaxing people versus a a big room in Las Vegas in some convention center or in an office building somewhere in the middle of the city where all those stresses are still kind of in the air, if you will.
1: Well, it's, it's also sensory overload. You know, you go to the car events, I find, and, and you see these beautiful works of art, but there's you know, tens or hundreds of them. And after a while, it all starts to blend together. You don't have the time to really take and appreciate, you know, what's really there. And we found that we took a different approach, kind of scaled it down, gave people the time and the opportunity to really explore and observe and understand, uh, as opposed to just looking at a lot of beautiful cars. But uh, just one of hundreds.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's wonderful. I think it's a great story. You mentioned Jesse Alexander. I've known Jesse for years. He's been a guest here on Cars Yeah and uh, the other great names. Wonderful event. I'm excited to attend some year. It sounds very, very interesting. Let's talk a little bit about proudest career moments. I would assume you've had many, but is there one in particular that stands out for you?
1: I think part the automobile from um, what it actually created in terms of for other people and what it facilitated Mm -hmm. and I have other other business successes related to my IT information technology business but I think this is more relevant
0: definitely and and again it wraps that passion you have for automobiles into uh, the aspects of bringing great minds and collaborative efforts together and creative people as well so
1: and many of them aren't weren't car people this is the thing it's like it brought people that were not necessarily into cars, but now have a new appreciation for them.
0: There you go. Awesome. Let's have a little bit of fun here. Let's talk about your first really special car, and maybe you could share a memory you have with that vehicle.
1: Well, the first was probably a motorcycle, which was um, a Norton Commando, oh, cool. uh, which I got four days after I got my driver's license, so <laughs> it was uh, the fastest production motorcycle available, but I'd been riding for quite a while, but I had a dream. I saw one you know when I was a young teenager, and uh-huh. I uh, worked towards earning the money to to buy it, and it proved to be you know a life changing experience because I got to meet a lot of people. It was more than a just a motorcycle. I met a lot of people that were could appreciate the uniqueness of the bike, and um I you know developed lifelong friendships as a result of of owning that bike. As far as the car is concerned, probably it's the Jaguar E-Type that would (laughs) have to be. I had a British Racing Green 68 convertible, which, I mean, it's just a privilege to to, uh, be able to own and drive those vehicles.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Norton Commando, Jaguar XKE, you are having some fun, my friend. That's for sure. We touched on seller's remorse a little bit. I don't want to go too deep into that, but again, is it that Jag that you let go?
1: Well, the first one that I, I sold it, I sold my first Jag when I was in my mid-20s, and then the one that I sold last June, I kind of do regret at this point yeah. selling it. But I'm confident someday I'll replace it.
0: I think so. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, new and exciting projects. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about the Carriage House Fine automobiles that you're going to be launching here. I think you said in the spring... And let our uh, listeners know about what's coming there at the farm, because I'm really excited about this new venture you're embarking upon.
1: So this actually ties back to the selling of my Jaguar. It was um, so I was living at my farm, and I was contacted by a collector that wanted to buy my my Jaguar. You know, and I told him that the car was not for sale, and he indicated just here take. My name and number, and if you have any change, but you know, please let it that, you know that I'll just sort of name your price. and because he he knew the uh, for the mechanic that I've been working with all these years, twenty four years, we shared the common mechanic, Rob. okay, so he knew the history of the car. He knew exactly what how it had been built, taken care of, and he wanted that specific car. Anyway, the only car I would sell my Jaguar for at the time would be the Aston Martin Vantage 8. I just love the proportions and the design, and I almost bought a new one when they brought them out in 2005, uh, but decided not to. Anyway, through, my son actually stumbled across one that was located at a a dealer one hour from my farm. So I made the mistake of going and looking at it. Uh Uh-oh. And that was the catalyst. But I called the gentleman back and I said, if you're truly interested in the car, here's the price, but you're going to have to come here Mm -hmm. because I'm not bringing the car, you know, back to Ottawa. It's like five hours, four or five hours away, and I'm only to find out that, you know, I've wasted my time. Yeah. He said, you know, no problem. I'll be happy to come out, you know, uh, my colleague, if that's okay. And I said, certainly. So they came out the next day and I had put the Jaguar in the carriage house, which is the sort of the signature building. So he came and you know, we opened the doors and I, I heard him just I think he just took a breath. He went, oh. and, it was just, <laughs> and it's not the first E-Type he's seen, but it was partly to do with the setting yes, and to drive out to, through the countryside, these beautiful rolling roads. So we took the car out, we went on a drive through these picturesque roads, which is actually the farm is located on the original stagecoach run between Montreal and Boston. And actually, the Davis House, the main house, was an inn on the stagecoach run. And the carriage oh, okay. house is where, where they used to unhitch the horses and bring them into the barn. This was in the uh, mid 1800s, uh-huh. the early to late 1800s. So the Chemin de Canton is this winding road that used, the stagecoach used to run on. Just beautiful vistas, windy, you know, going through tree tunnels. It's like a commercial. <laughs> and uh, we brought the car back, and, you know, we parked it on the lawn and sat on the porch and opened a nice bottle of wine and had a great conversation. Got to see the car in different lights as the sun was going down. It was, you know, it was a silver blue, and at night it turns to silver. We had a wonderful meal, put the car away. We kind of slept on the idea and woke up in the morning, and we... we did the uh the train? you know he agreed to buy it yeah, so he said you should do this it's it's like an incredible experience, it's so anticlimactic. you could be looking two years for a car, you find it, you travel somewhere, to a dealer, give a check, you get the keys, and it's over right He said this will be an experience I will never forget, yeah, so I'm taking the same approach, and I'm going to be uh selling collectible cars out of a farm. Well, people are going to have to make an effort to go there, but will create the whole experience, also provide the visitors the whole story behind the car, who built it, who designed it, why, what was going on in the competition, like the whole story behind, yeah. you know, what passion drew, drove it, you know, who who is a the visionary, and then of course the history of that particular car, but they would have an experience of actually being able to take the time and look at the car and fully totally appreciate it.
0: Nice.
1: They're also going to be working with, uh, engaging Alain Levesque, who's a well-known automobile
0: oh, yes. artist.
1: And they'll have the opportunity to commission Alain if they want a, um, a painting of their particular car. Another one of my colleagues, Alain Raymond, who's also a host on the show, who's an automobile historian, will be yes. there to explain the history and the story behind Paul Deutschman, who's Canada's leading independent car designer stylist, would be there to kind of explain why is this car, you know, such a mile, either a milestone in design or what are the attributes in the design? What would the, what would the designer been thinking, you know? And so the, the buyer will come away with a, a pig, possibly a different appreciation or will see things differently. Plus have the experience I just described.
0: Wow. You know, I'm ready to come buy a car from you. (laughs) It's a very, very cool idea. The whole concept, everything about it is spectacular. And Alain Levese will be a guest coming up on the show. And uh, the other gentleman you mentioned, uh, the other Alain, who's been a guest here. Yeah, fantastic. I really think this is an exciting, exciting way for people to have the ultimate experience of buying their dream car. Really, really cool. For those listeners out there, when you go to the website of the farm, you'll see the carriage house is not what you expect it to be. It's been uh, remodeled, let's say, to this almost this glass structure that is see-through transparent that is just absolutely marvelous and and really works in the environment there at the farm. So everything about it is is absolutely fantastic. Now here's a very introspective question for you, Terry. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why?
1: I'm going to go back to the Jaguar, and and Uh the reason for that is, it's such an inspiring design. You know, when you look at it, it just, it just, and you have a, you know, when you get in it, it has a soul. And it, yes, it's truly a privilege to drive something like that. And you, once you dig into the history and see who's behind it and why it exudes or comes out of every time you start that car. And, yeah. And As a life. Or just, yeah. And I think it, it, I'd want to be a car that a vehicle that, inspires people that helps them be more either creative or uh-huh. yeah, inspiring. Yeah. It's just to what get out of it and go, Oh, wow, what a that was <laughs> that was amazing.
0: That's what you do there at the farm, is it creates an environment for inspiring others to be creative and innovative and forward-thinking. And that's what I think the Jaguar did, because it was that when the car was designed. It was so forward-thinking, so creative, so different of anything that people had seen. So uh, there you go. I think you'd make a great XKE. All right. So up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah! listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front-end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them, too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, cars yeah. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. Okay, Terry, we are back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready?
1: Yes. It sounds like a quiz show.
0: (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) So I call it the last lap. It's time to put our foot into it here. So what's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Sitting there with my father, I remember seeing, um, we were on the front lawn of the house and uh, the neighbor pulled in the driveway in a brand-new Triumph TR6. Uh-huh. And uh, I went, oh, my goodness. He goes, you know, if you want to go for it, you're going to have to work for it. But, you know, follow your dreams, I guess. is the If you truly want to buy nice cars, beautiful cars, then go for it.
0: Yeah, you got to work for it and earn it first, though. Yeah. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years?
1: One of the things I do is I kind of take inventory of the people I surround myself with.
0: Mm.
1: I've developed an awareness, and this came from a actually a, a gentleman. He's a, a hockey legend in Canada. His name is Paul Henderson, and I had the privilege of playing hockey and actually sitting on a train beside him on between Toronto and Ottawa. And he basically sat there and he said, you know, there's three types of people out there. There's people that pump you up, there's people that are just neutral, and then there's people that suck the life out of you. He said, stick with the ones that pump you up. So I've made a point of surrounding myself with people who both inspire and I also whom I admire.
0: Yeah. Well, I always say we are the culmination of the people we surround ourselves with. Yeah. It's so true and so important. Now, how about a resource? Is there a resource out there that you'd like to share with the Car listeners you think they would really enjoy?
1: Uh, well, I track a bunch of websites. You know, I love watch the valuations on the you know Hagerty evaluation tool that they uh-huh. track. Yeah, uh, that's one that I probably refer to the, the most. Mm-hmm. And uh, the others bring a trailer. Oh you know, yeah, just watching. That's those are the two from a kind of an information standpoint.
0: Two great websites. I've had uh, McKeel Haggerty on the show here and Randy Nannenberg from Bring a Trailer. So those are two sites that I go to frequently as well. Great guys, great businesses. Now, how about a book? Is there one book in particular you could share with our listeners that you think they would enjoy reading and learning from?
1: Yeah, this book, it's called Halftime by Robert um, Buford. It's about going from success to significance. Hmm. you spend a lot of time in your early part of your years maybe looking to generate wealth or acquire items and this book kind of takes a look at help you look at what you do with it after you've done that and how can you do something significant based on the successes that you've had in the first part of your career
0: yeah great that's a new book that has been recommended here and I'll- Remind our listeners you can find links to all these great resources Terry shared with us on his show notes page at carjad.com slash Terry Kell. last name is spelled K-E-L-L. There's also a great place on the website called Guest Recommended Books where this book and all the other past 460 guest books are listed for quick, easy links to buy. All right, Terry, we are up to the last question, and it can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage. I'm kind of guessing I know the answer but you might surprise us. We'll see. But don't worry about the price. I'll buy you any car on the planet today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what would that car be and more importantly why?
1: Well, I think it's the E-Type. I've had the Jag E-Type. I've had the privilege of owning some other wonderful cars, mm-hmm. but I always seem to come back to the um to the E-Type. It yeah. just is Partly probably you know just my early experience with them, and it's been a vehicle more than for transportation, but just for experiences and appreciation for learning about design and meeting other people. so
0: Wonderful car. Now let's narrow this down a little bit. Uh, would it be a series one? And uh, if so, or which series do you prefer? Would it be the coupe or the cab, or in what color? What color do you want?
1: Series one and a half, which is uh, 68, which is a blend of the one and two. Uh, They still had the SU carbs, and it would be a coupe because I like the uh, I just like the love the lines.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Color probably silver, silver gray, or silver blue.
0: Nice, wonderful. Well, those cars, uh, that car is definitely on my bucket list. They're fantastic cars. all started with me with my father buying me a Matchbox by Lesney Jaguar Coupe, a little red one, in 1965, I think it was. I still have it sitting here on my desk. In fact, I think I sent you a picture of it last
1: night. Yes, yeah, I saw that, yes.
0: Terry, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed learning more about you and the farm and what you're doing, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yacht listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down that country road in that Jaguar E-Type?
1: Well, just I guess the message is you know surround yourself with people who fire, inspire, inspire, and ad- admire. Whether you know they come from all different walks of life, they may not be a peer, but they may share the same you know values and passions. I think the same thing applies to cars. You know, I, you sometimes you think you want a certain car, you buy it, you own it, and then you find that you know it doesn't return the same level of. I guess, um, I'm trying to look for the word. Joy,
0: perhaps? <laughs> joy, it
1: ends up becoming a burden. Yeah. And I guess just recognizing that early along, sometimes you buy things you think you want, but uh, they end up, you know, cluttering your life and yeah. causing a lot of extra work with no real joy or benefit.
0: Wonderful. Well, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and the farm?
1: Well, the website's farm. Creative. My contact information is there. The Carriage House Fine Automobiles will be launched this spring. So there will be a link from the, the farm website to uh, Carriage House Fine An- Automobiles. The public launch will happen on June the 25th. It coincides with the Porsche parade that's being hosted At JP in Vermont, which is about less than an hour from our farm. We're in Quebec, just three kilometers, three miles north of the border. Awesome. So uh, um, the theme will be based around uh, Porsche playing with the Porsche Parade.
0: Ah, very cool. Very cool. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Terry's been so kind to share at carsyad.com. Just type Terry into the search bar, and his show notes page will pop right up. Terry, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Thanks very much, Mark.
0: You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYa.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up,